Psalms chapter number 1 this evening, and I do have a short message, but I hope God will do a big thing in your heart through it tonight. The Word of God says, verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now look back at verse number 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Father, we thank you for this time you've given us. We ask that you would consecrate and sanctify these next few moments. Set them apart for your glory and for our good. And Lord, that in all things that take place, that Lord, you would do the work in our hearts and lives that we desperately need. Lord, we've not come tonight to do the work. We've come to have you do the work. God, we've come to have you speak to our hearts. Lord, not for me to speak to their hearts or for us to speak to one another's hearts, but for the Spirit of God to do a work in our hearts that would last for all of eternity. Lord, we love you. We count you precious. We know that you are precious. Help us to treat you as such. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'm gripped by a phrase at the end of verse number 3 that I believe most of us would aspire to over the next year. Now, I don't know that I'd really call this a New Year's message, but there's no question that over the next week or two, there'll be folks, they'll have resolutions and decisions and commitments that they'll make, and I'm not critical or cynical about those things. I think that's good if you can do that. But really, at the end of the day, if we were to ask for one thing for this upcoming year, I think for our lives, most of us could sum it up in the phrase found, At the end of verse number 3, when God says this about the righteous man, that whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. In other words, we want 2016 to be a good year. We want it to be a year of victories. We want it to be a year of successes. We want it to be a year that when we come to this time in the next year, we don't look back with regret. We don't look back with despair or dismay over wasted opportunities, over missteps and bad decisions. No, we'd probably rather, if you're like me, you'd rather be able to look back over 2016 and say that this has been a year when God has prospered in my life. And when the things that I have set my hand to do have been pleasing to the mind and and to the heart of God, a year when I not only found His, His hand, but I found His face, His countenance smiled upon me, and God blessed in my life this next year. Now, here's the question. How, how do we see that happen? Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that you go down right now to Barnes & Noble or whatever bookstores they've got, and you could go to a self-help section. You could find a hundred books that tell you how to make this next year your best year. There'd be some of them from gurus, some of them from Eastern mystics, some of them from self-proclaimed preachers. But I believe here from the Word of God, we have a simple formula a simple truth that can change this next year for us. Now, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I think many of us would probably acknowledge that we want the next year to be better than this past year. And we want to see God do some great things in this next year. And we want God to have more of us this next year than He had this past year. 
Let me say personally for me, I want God to have more of me. I know the only way for me to have more of God is for God to have more of me. The problem isn't that God's not willing to give Himself to me. I think the problem sometimes is we're not willing to give ourselves to God. We're not willing to yield our lives, to yield our decisions, to yield our time, to yield our passions to the God of heaven. And I think if we'll follow the things that are in this verse, or maybe we could call them this, characteristics for this next year that we ought to seek after. I believe that we'll have a good year this next year. If the Lord tarries His coming, if He doesn't tarry His coming, we're going to have a great year this next year. Amen? I want you to notice three simple truths tonight, and we'll close. The Bible says this. Now, God is comparing in the book of Psalms the the walk and the life and the, the consequences, the experience of the righteous man and the ungodly man. And he uses an uh, illustration, uh, a metaphor of sorts, a, a, a parabolic, if we could call it that way. I guess that's what you'd call it. I don't know. That sounds medical. I think that's medical, parabolic. Amen. But uses a parable to illustrate what a righteous man looks like. What it is in his life that you can tell by looking at him that he's righteous. One thing is for sure, if you're righteous, your life will tell it. Let me say that again. Somebody help me now. I know I'm in a tunnel, but I don't think you're that far away. If you're righteous, people can tell it. People can look at your life. You don't have to run around telling people that you're righteous. People will know you're righteous. They'll see it in stark contrast to the way this world lives and walks. And so God describes three characteristics. And I believe this would be the will of God for us this next year. I don't say that often, but I believe in matters of Scripture, we have scriptural authority to say it. And I want you to notice these three things tonight. I want you to notice the first thing. God says this, He shall be like what? Like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Let me say this, that for 2016, I believe it's the will of God that you and I be fixed in the place that God's put us in. Now, I'm not here to try. If there's anybody thinking about leaving this church, I don't know about it. I'd prefer if you didn't tell me till it was already done anyway, at least till the sermon's already done. And I'm, so I'm not talking about being fixed at Wall Ridge. What I'm talking about is not allowing ourselves to be driven by every wind, not allowing ourselves to do this roller coaster of a Christian life that so often people do, but I'm talking about determining that there's some things we're not going to move from. Now, some of you, at the close of 2014, you said this, I want to read my Bible more in this next year. And some of you said, I want to be more faithful to church in the next year, and I want to be more faithful in my prayer life over this next year. But the problem is you didn't get fixed about those things. You hoped to do those things, but you didn't make up your mind to do those things. You wanted it to work out that way, but you didn't determine that that's the way it was going to be. Now, these may seem like some harsh and absolute statements, but I believe that it's time for some harsh and absolute truth. That we've got to get serious about this thing. We've got to quit playing games. I mean, do you realize what's at stake? Do you realize that the the very souls, the very eternal destinies of our loved ones, the very eternal destinies of our children, of our grandchildren, of our families, of our spouses, that's what's at stake in this quote-unquote game that we're playing. There's not time to be flippant. I'm not saying we don't enjoy ourselves in the Christian walk. I mean, hey, everybody around here's been around here. I don't we ain't got no visitors here tonight. You know we like to have a good time around the house of God. But what I'm saying is getting serious about this matter of serving God. Getting fixed about this thing. Now there's a lot of things we can do when we make up our mind to do it. 
Uh, I remember hearing a preacher say one time, actually, we were, we were out, we were standing at a meeting, and uh, he, he was inviting folks to come to his teen camp meeting. And uh, he came along, and he, he walked up, and he looked at us. He said, uh, you're going to come to my teen camp meeting, aren't you? Of course, what are you going to say? You know, you're on the spot. So everybody just, you know, whether they's lying or not, everybody just said, yeah, oh, yeah, preacher. Yeah, we're going to be there. And he said, now, let me ask you something. He said, uh, this morning, uh, did, did you get up? Did you want to brush your teeth this morning? And they said, well, yeah, of course. He said, did you do it? And they said, yeah, yeah, well, of course I did. Some of them was lying. I didn't say anything, but I could tell. He said, when you woke up this morning, did you make up your mind that you was going to put clothes on? And they said, yeah. He said, well, I can see by the way you're dressed that you, you did that. He said, some of you, you woke up this morning, you, you decided that you was going to get something to eat. Have you eaten yet today? And, of course, everybody said, yeah. He said, well, it sounds like when you make up your mind to do something, you do it. And uh, then he said, so are you going to be at my teen camp meeting this summer? Now, that, that's harsh. Maybe that's, there's no room to wiggle around, but that's what we need. I, I mean, again, listen, I'm not just talking about losing weight. I'm not just talking about getting your finances in order. I'm talking about eternal matters. And we've got to get fixed about them. We've got to make sure that 2016, because let me tell you something, time gets away from you. Time gets away from you. It was yesterday I was preaching a New Year's message to you at the end of 2014. Here we said at the end of 2015. And where did this year go? We've got to get determined. I want you to notice there's two ways, he says, to be fixed. I'd say, number one, to be fixed to the spot that you were planted. That's what, he, that's what a tree does, right? Only one time we ever hear of trees walking, and it was a blind man talking about it. Amen? He said, I see men as trees walking there in the book of Mark. But pretty much when you plant a tree, you don't worry it's going to get up and run off. Right? You plant that thing in the ground, and you know if it don't do nothing else, it's going to stay right where it's put. Let me say this, that God has planted all of us. God has a will, and God has a field for every single person in this room. There's not a single one of us exempt from serving God. You may not serve where I serve. You may not serve how I serve. You may not serve as much, or I may not serve as much as you do. But every one of us, we have a place that God has planted us, a job that God has for us. Let me tell you something, it's just... It's time for Christians to quit laying down on the job. Amen. I'm not being ugly. I'm not being harsh. I'm just telling you that, that the number one uh, responsibility of a tree is to stay put in the place that it was planted. Now, God has planted us in a place. We ought to count that an honor, don't you think? That God would have a job for us to do. That God would give us a place in His vineyard. That God would take the time to put us somewhere and give a job that just you can do or just I can do. We ought not take that lightly. Do you understand that the God of heaven looked down through the ages and carved out a spot in His field for you and I to be planted, a work for us to do, and God help us when we get up and run off from it? We ought to be planted in the place, in the spot where God put us. I want you to notice you ought to be fixed to the spot where you were planted, but you ought to be fixed to the source of your power. He says this, like a tree planted by rivers of water. In other words, that tree is planted in the best possible place to get the strength, nourishment, and sustenance that it needs to grow. Now, you and I, we sit here in a free country. I don't know for how much longer, but here we sit, and it's free. We didn't have to go through checkpoints. We didn't have to lie about where we was going tonight. Uh, well, some of you all may have. I don't know. But that ship sailed a long time ago for me. I just tell folks now, you know. And I'm with that crazy bunch down on Wall Ridge Road. That's me. I'm, I'm you know. Well, here we sit in a free country tonight, 
And, uh, you know, we couldn't say this about everyone. All across the world, listen, all across the world, there are people that had to sneak under cover of darkness to do what we're doing tonight. But here we sit in a free country. Here we sit with a complete Bible. Now, listen carefully. I believe the King James Bible is the inspired, preserved, inerrant Word of God. And I believe any country that don't have a faithful Bible, I believe they can look to this Bible and it's faithful for them. Amen? But there's lots of places where they don't have a Bible in their native language. But here we sit with the whole Bible, precious, preserved, inerrant, inspired, sitting right on your lap, something that, that a lot of people would die in this world for. Here we sit, indwelt by the Holy Ghost. The Old Testament saints, they, they may have experienced the Holy Ghost in some way, but they were not indwelt by the Holy Ghost. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying you and I, we've got plenty of rivers of water, plenty of places. If we'll just stay close to them, if we'll just stay close to this Bible, and we're going to talk here in a second about faithfulness, but if we'll just stay close to this Bible, we'd be amazed what it's solved for us. As I was reading the text, I'm going to confess something to you, and I, and I don't know if I'm too tired or, or just not over being sick. Maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. God convicted me that I couldn't quote this chapter. Now, some of you here, you may be able to quote this. There was a time when I was younger I could have quoted I remember learning it in Sunday school, but I, I couldn't do it right now. Uh, if I was to be honest, I'd get some of the way through it, maybe most of the way through it, but I couldn't sit and faithfully quote it uh, in front of you. And God convicted my heart about that. Uh, you know, I, I know you get to a place where it's not as easy to memorize, but let me tell you something. This, this guy right here, he's not at that place yet. He could be doing more. I'm just saying, we got sources of power. We float around this life wondering how to get through, and all the while, there's a river that will carry us through if we'll just go to it for the strength that we need. It's amazing how many people, and listen, I, I'm not dismissing out of hand Christian counseling and stuff like that. I think it'd be a lot better if somebody's got to get counseling, it'd be a lot better they go to a Christian counselor than a pagan counselor. Amen. I, I'm not dismissing that, but listen, there's people all over the world pulling their hair out, going everywhere to try to find help, going to all kinds of people trying to find some kind of sanity in this world. And all the while, listen, this blessed old book that we hold in our hand has all the strength and help that we need. Now, I'm not thrown off on them. I'm not, I'm not calling them weak. Listen, I'm weak. You're weak. We're all weak. And that's why we need the strength of the Word of God. And we need to learn to get fixed to this. Listen, I can tell you this. If you don't get fixed to this Bible, 2016 is going to be a mess for you. I'm just telling you right now. You're going to be anemic spiritually. You're going to be weak. You're going to be miserable. If you don't get fixed to this Bible, if you don't get fixed to the prayer closet... If you don't get fixed in the house of God, if you don't get fixed to the leading of the Spirit of God, 2016 is going to be bad for you. Uh, You'll be coming down to the end of it this next year. You'll be pulling your hair out. You'll be wondering if you can make it. You'll be discouraged. You'll be depressed. You might be a hundred miles from being in the house of God. I'm just saying it's that important. We've got to get fixed about these things. That's the first thing. You know, there's some things, if we go ahead and settle it, we don't have to worry about it anymore. I remember a fellow that used to go to church here made this statement to me one time. It's always stuck with me, and, I, and you've heard me make this statement before, I'm sure. But he said this. He said, you know, uh, the matter of going to church is really a decision you only have to make one time. He said, once you make the decision that unless I am providentially hindered, I'm going to be there, then afterwards you never have to make that decision again. Because the times that you're out, you'll be providentially hindered. Now, I, I know, I, this is a Wednesday night crowd. You didn't have to be here tonight. Nobody would have even really thought you was a bad Christian if you weren't. I hate to break it to you. I know that's the big secret, but, you know, we're all kind around here and maybe kinder than we ought to be. So I'm not fussing at you. You're here tonight. There's folks that aren't here. And I'm not preaching at the folks that aren't here. I'm preaching at the folks that are here. Not to rebuke you, 
but to encourage you that if you'll get fixed about these things, if you'll make that decision, I'm going to be in the house of God except when I'm providentially hindered, then you'll find that you'll stay fixed in that position. That person's out of church today, by the way. Out of church today. Some of you know who he is. Some of you don't. It don't matter who he is. God knows who he is. He don't answer to me. He answers to God. But I'm just saying that's a man that at one time was fixed. And then he wasn't. I'm just saying we've got, to get some, we've got to get fixed about some things. I think God wants us to be fixed to these things. But then I want you to notice the second thing. He says this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit... In his season. I believe it's the will of God in 2016 that you and I be fruitful in the work that God has planted us in and in the leading of the Spirit of God. Listen, I, I, believe, I believe that God would have us be fruitful in matters of service, but I believe that God would have us be fruitful in matters of spirituality too. You know that fruit is spoken of basically in those two capacities in the Word of God as it relates to the spiritual realm. The fruit of the Spirit and then fruit as in the fruits of our labors as we work and endeavor to please God and to do His will. And I believe in both those ways God would have us to bear fruit in this next year that we're coming into. I want you to notice it's personal fruit. Now here, this might get rough, okay? So it'll be rough on me too. But he says, bring forth His fruit. Now, I want you to listen carefully to what I'm about to say, because I don't want you to hear me wrong. It doesn't say, bring forth his vineyard's fruit. It doesn't say, bring forth the vine dresser's fruit. It says, he'll bring forth his fruit. So, in other words, this was the fruit that was unique to this particular tree. I appreciate the collective work of the body of Christ, don't you? I'm glad to be part of a church that loves God, that wants to go forward. You know, there's a lot of churches that they're, they're stuck in the past and uh, they don't ever want to go for it. I appreciate the past. I, I, we ought to honor the past. But listen, uh, you, know, you, you know what Elisha said? He said, where's the God of Elijah? He didn't say, where's the Elijah of God? He said, where's the God of Elijah? God's still wanting to do something. And I appreciate the past, but some folks are stuck in the past. I appreciate our church is not that way. I appreciate the collective ministry. In other words, when we collectively give to missions, when we collectively go about, you know, giving out tracts, when we collectively gather and worship, when we collectively gather and pray. But he doesn't say the collective fruit. He says his fruit. So here's the question that I want to ask you tonight. Are you personally bringing forth fruit in your life? If you believe the Word of God, then you have to know and understand and believe that it's the will of God that you personally bring forth fruit under the glory of God this year, next year. You say, preacher, give me some examples of what you're talking about. Well, can I say this? Winning victories over sins that have beset us for too long. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about never messing up again. I'm talking about gaining victory over sins that have beset us too long. There are things, listen, that we brought to the altar ten times, twenty times, thirty times, maybe a hundred times in 2015 or in 2014. I believe it's the will of God in 2016 that we'd be able to put those things aside and go on for the glory of God. I believe fruit, as an example, would be areas of growth in our spiritual walk, uh, places where we advance in yielding to the Lord. I wonder how many of us are as patient as we need to be. I wonder how many of us are as compassionate as we need to be. I wonder how many of us are as dedicated as we need to be. 
Now listen, 2016 don't have to be a carbon copy of 2015 for you. It's the will of God that you bear fruit in these areas. Wouldn't it be good if it could be said about you and I that we were closer to God in this next year than we were in the last year? Some of us, we're just trying to stem the tide. We're just trying to not backslide. But I believe it's the will of God if we move forward. And listen, there, there's nothing that's living that stays in a static state. Everything's living or dying. It's growing or it's diminishing. And I believe that 2016, why don't we, instead of just trying to maintain, why, why don't we determine that we're going to move forward and grow in personal fruitfulness? I'm not talking about what everyone else is doing. I'm talking about what we're doing. Now, that's what you need to ask yourself tonight. What am I willing to do to grow in the Lord in this next year? What am I willing, what will I give over to the Lord? What is there that I clung to in 2015 that in 2016 I'll lay on an altar? Or maybe not even in 2016, but at the tail end, on December 30th of 2015. I'll not carry it into a new year. I'll lay it down and I'll make up my mind that I'm going to bear fruit in this next year. And not just try to maintain. I want you to notice it's personal fruit, but I want you to notice it's patient fruit. It says this, bring forth His fruit in His season. In other words, that tells me this, that 2016 is not a sprint, but rather it's a marathon. There's a lot of year in front of us, in fact, an entire one. And there may be some things that we're praying and asking God for that we may not get in January. But that doesn't mean that there's not a season in which God will answer those things and do those things. You see, I don't know if you realize this, but God, He's he's outside and He's inside of time. He inhabits eternity and and. This is kind of strange language to use, but God's playing the long game. Amen? Not the short game. I asked a preacher friend one time, and uh, this guy started off with eight people in his church. And today he's he's running in the the hundreds. And some of you know who I'm talking about when I I say that. Well, I I don't guess he'd be ashamed. Brother Tom up there in Maryville, they're they're getting ready. They're building, I think, a $2.5 million property. And... uh, you know, this is a guy that started with eight. He didn't poach everybody from some other church. You know what I mean? This is a guy that worked and labored. And I remember asking him one time, I said, you know, Brother Tom, when did, when did you begin to see growth in your church? He's been pastoring over 20 years. I said, when did you begin to see growth in your church? Was there a place? Was there something that happened? Was there some area of ministry that, that you got worked out and, and things clicked and fell into place? And he said, no. He said, it's just been steady. It's just been steady. Over 20 years, just staying at it and staying at it and staying at it. Or like the other man of God said, just more of the same. He told me a story of a group of people that uh, had determined to do a sort of a track challenge, kind of like what we did. But they determined that over 12 weeks they were going to give out, you know, 10,000 tracks or something like that. And uh, the fella called Brother Tom up and he said, uh, Brother Tom, I want to talk to you. I want to know what's wrong. He said, well, what do you mean, brother? He said, well, you said that passing out these tracks and things like that, you said this would work. He said, we, we panned out 10,000 tracks. We've not seen a single person get saved from it. But, Tom, what, what are we doing wrong? And uh, he said, well, brother, how long have you been doing it? He said, 12 weeks. He said, well, that's your problem. He said, you've been doing it 12 weeks. I've been doing it 12 years at that time. You see, it's a long game. That's why we have to be fixed. You know, if we try this guerrilla warfare in in spiritual battle, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to sneak out of the mountains, run down, knock Satan across the nose, and then retreat. And then we wonder why we never gain ground. 
and we, you know, we want to, I mean, we get hot one minute and cold the next minute. We wonder why things stay lukewarm. Well, have you ever run uh, bath water and run it hot one minute and then cold another minute and then hot one minute and then cold another minute? Guess what you get? You get lukewarm water. And we wonder why it's not working. Well, that's why we've got to be fixed, because we can't be fruitful till we get fixed in this thing. I want you to notice the third thing, and I'm done. And really, we've already touched on it, but... I want to give you an interesting concept that I believe is present here in this verse. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. I'd say that it's the will of God in 2016 that we be faithful in the work that God has called us to. Now, you say, preacher, we already talked about that, being fixed. And, and that's true. There's a lot of similarities. But the thing I want you to notice here is the way that this is described to us. It does not say that the truth does, or that the tree does not allow his leaf to wither. It's not what it says. It does not say that the tree keeps the leaf full of, of beauty and vibrancy and health and life. But it merely states an, an objective fact that this tree, the kind of tree that is planted, the kind of tree that is planted by rivers of water, the kind of tree that is bringing forth fruit, that kind of tree, that tree, its leaves won't wither. In other words, I want you to notice we find the key to faithfulness here. And here's what I want you to listen carefully to. Faithfulness is the result of communion and not vice versa. Communion is not the outgrowth of our faithfulness, but rather faithfulness is the outgrowth of our communion with the Lord. I've said this before, and, and, you know, sometimes God says things to me, and I'm dumb, you know, and it takes me a while to get it. And uh, sometimes I'll, I will preach something, and God will impress on my heart to make a statement, and I'll make that statement. I don't even really understand how profound it is at that moment, because it didn't come from me. It's something that God just touched on my heart about, and so that's not bragging in any way. But... There was a statement that I made just back of this, and I really kind of made it like offhandedly, just casually, just made this statement. And ever since, God has brought this, this thought back to my mind that I could not be faithful. Listen carefully. I cannot be faithful unless He is faithful. My faithfulness is directly connected and the direct result of His faithfulness. Now you say, what does that tell me, preacher? That tells me that I can always be faithful. Because my faithfulness is dependent upon His faithfulness. You see, the life of Christ, and I don't mean the ministry of Christ, I mean the present life of Christ, the risen life of Christ, is the direct source of my strength in this spiritual walk. Whatever He is in heaven, I can be here on earth. My life is hid with Christ in God. And in Him I have all the fullness of the Godhead. You understand that? All of the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily, and now I am dead, I am crucified with Christ, and I am robed in his righteousness. He is my source, he is my strength. And so when I need strength, where do I go? I go to him. When I need patience, where do I go? I go to him. I don't just mean I look at his example. I mean I go to him. That's what communion's about, you understand. When I talk about communion, I'm talking about praying and spending time in the Word of God and in quietude with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. That's as explicit as I can make it. 
I'm talking about spending time with Him. Now, that's a faith matter, you understand. You have to trust the Word of God that when you need patience, if you'll go and spend time with Him, you'll get patience. If you need compassion, if you'll go and spend time with Him, you'll get compassion. He'll not only teach you compassion, He'll impart compassion to you. He'll not just teach you patience, He'll impart patience to you by His presence and by His power and by His strength. Don't you remember what they said about the disciples when they saw their boldness? They didn't just take knowledge that they were disciples of Jesus. They didn't just take knowledge that they knew of Jesus. They didn't just take knowledge that they had trusted Jesus. They took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Him. If there was a theme to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe it would be this, the idea of withness. He was always with the disciples. It didn't matter what happened. There's very few occasions where He was not with the disciples. All of their problems came when they weren't with the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying is this, and I've got more, but I believe the Lord's done with me tonight. That if you want to be fixed and faithful, you're going to have to spend time with Him. You don't have to understand that. You just have to believe that. That that's where it comes from. Can I give you one verse in closing? Christ said this. In John chapter number 15, in fact, I want to turn there. I don't want to misquote it. Let me turn there. John chapter number 15. He said this about this dynamic of a tree planted by rivers of water. And he said this on the eve of his crucifixion. He looked at his disciples and he said this. He said, I am the true vine. My father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He said this, abide in me. Now, that's communion. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same what? Bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, not without my principles, not without my church, Not even, listen carefully, not even without my word. Although there is absolutely some precedent and truth for that. But he says, without me, you can do nothing. You see, the only way 2016 is going to be better than 2015 is if we live it in the presence of God. And if we live it in communion with Him. That's how we'll have a favored year. That's how we'll have a year where whatsoever He doeth shall prosper. Is if we'll walk with the Lord and spend time with Him.